Good morning. For the last time at 10 a.m. this year, I invite you to rise. <laughs> we gather in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Gracious God, have mercy on us. We confess that we have turned from you and given ourselves into the power of sin. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things we have done and things we have failed to do. Turn us again to you and uphold us by your spirit so that we may live and serve you in newness of life. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And all that is Christ's is yours. Thanks be to God.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Kyrie, Kyrie, eleison. Christe, Christe, eleison. you resist those who are proud and give grace to those who are humble. Give us the humility of your son that we may embody the generosity of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. I invite you to be seated and for our kids to come forward at this time. Come on over. Come on up. Falling over on this side over here. <laughs> That's fine. Hi, guys. Come on. Yeah, join in. Hi. All right. So how many of you have, especially of our younger kids, have gotten your 
like your teacher, maybe you did a meet and greet, got your class list. Have, you, have some of you gotten that, right? You guys kind of know the class list in your house, right? Yeah, right, brother, sister. Um, so uh, how many of you were excited because you have maybe friends, you know, or you're gonna be taking classes if you're in middle school or something like that, you're gonna be taking classes with friends. How many of you have, are excited about that, right? Anybody missing out like, oh man, my best friend's in another class? Any of that kind of, yeah. A little bit of that going on too, right? No, it's all good, huh? Um, how many of you have ever had an experience? It's exciting when we, when we get classes with our friends. It's really exciting when we, when we know like, oh, my buddy's gonna be there. But how many of you have ever been in a situation, maybe you went to, maybe it was even something you thought you didn't wanna go to, like back to school, um, or something like that, or maybe it was like your parents dragged you somewhere, or maybe it was just a surprise at school someday where you got to be friends with somebody or got to know somebody who was very different than you. Anybody ever have that experience? Yeah? Can you share it? It's boring? Okay. <laughs> it's not that exciting? Okay. All right. Anybody have an experience? Uh, everybody else have an experience? Are all the people you, like your friends are all kind of just like you? Pretty much? You didn't like her at first. She didn't like you at first. Yeah, that's cool. And now you're like inseparable, kind of, or friends. Mm-hmm, yep. I had that experience in seminary. I really did not like a person there. I know you're going to school to be a pastor. You have to like everybody, right? I didn't. I didn't like this, this woman. And she was going on a trip, and I was going on a trip, and I was like, uh, she's going to be there. Now she's a great friend. I really, really appreciate who she was. But I had to know how she was different than me and appreciate that in order to understand that, right? Well, well Jesus is at a banquet. He's at a dinner in our gospel for today. Um, and he's encouraging those around him, the Pharisees, which we sometimes think of as the bad guys. They're not that bad, but we think of, sometimes we think of them that. But he's encouraging them to be around people who are different from them, people who can't maybe pay them back for inviting him to a meal. And it's not just to be nice to them, but it's to be connected to them. And it's to, to widen kind of how we see God's world. And that's what the kingdom is about. Jesus invites us to do that. Um, some of you who've done service before, that kind of thing, maybe you think like, oh man, I'm, I'm gonna help these poor people. And what you find out is you find out, man, they have more riches maybe in their family or just the joy than I could have ever brought to this situation. We find that out a lot on our youth trips when we take them. Um, but sometimes it's, it's having that community with other people, connecting more people to Christ, connecting more to Christ that we find, wow, God's kingdom is much bigger and much more amazing than we could have thought on our own or just being around people like us, right? That's what Jesus invites us into, is to live that kingdom. You're gonna get that chance when school starts. Lots of different people, right, to encounter there for sure. Well, let's pray today. Let's do a repeat prayer. Dear God, thank you for your love shown to us in Jesus Christ. Help us to share the joy of that love as we connect with your people. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming up, guys. And the blessings on your back to school. Our first reading, I want to preempt a little bit before it's read, comes from Sirach, and some of you may be flipping through your Bibles going, where is that? Sirach is from the Apocrypha, which is uh, an in-between the Old Testament and New Testament period. Sometimes people call it part of the quote-unquote Roman Catholic Bible, 
but it is part of our, part of our scriptures and we're reading from it today because it ties in uh, with our lessons. So somebody asked me to introduce that because in the first service they were confused. Where does this reading come from? So please. The first reading, Sirach 10, 12 through 18. The beginning of human pride is to forsake the Lord. The heart has withdrawn from its maker. For the beginning of pride is sin, and the one who clings to it pours out abominations. Therefore, the Lord brings upon them unheard of calamities and destroys them completely. The Lord overthrows the thrones of rulers and enthrones the lowly in their place. The Lord plucks up the roots of the nations and plants the humble in their place. The Lord lays waste the lands of the nations and destroys them to the foundations of the earth. He removes some of them and destroys them and erases the memory of them from the earth. Pride is not created for human beings or violent anger for those born of women. The word of the Lord.
spirit and life. Alleluia. You have the words of everlasting life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the place of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host, and the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. Then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He also said to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. In our gospel reading for today, Jesus is for the third time at the house of a Pharisee, invited to banquet with him and with those who are gathered together. We think of Jesus oftentimes as eating with the sinners, the outcasts, you know, prostitutes, sinners, tax collectors, all of that list, the poor. Uh, but Jesus also eats with those who are esteemed, who are held in high honor. And here he is at the table of a Pharisee. Some have even argued that Jesus himself trained with the Pharisees, that he was uh, trained as a religious leader in that particular way. We often think about the Pharisees being sort of like the, I think one kid said it, the stinky bad guys, right? They're, we want to put those folks into categories. Jesus, the good guy, they're the stinky bad guys. But they weren't, their heart was in the right place. Let's put it that way. They were, they were trying as they might earnestly to, to be holy before God and, and to to um, bring God's people to holiness by ad adhering to and following God's laws. Not a terrible idea, but whenever we're trying to get there ourselves or make ourselves holy, it always goes awry, doesn't it? Seems to always fail or at least fall short. Because we are made holy, we do not make ourselves holy. We can only respond to what God has done for us in Christ. We know that. We hear that at least. I don't know that we always practice it. 
But holiness from human effort also seems to have another kind of side effect, and it's about 100% of the time. Uh, it, it, it creates this sense of, of us and them, because there have to be those who are holy and, and those who are not, right? So there's an in-group and an out-group, a clean and an, and an unclean, a holy and an unholy. And that certainly was the case in Jesus' day as well. But Jesus tries to, or seeks to in this, in this reading for today, and I encourage you to read all of it. In fact, I encourage you to read all the way to chapter 17, because as far as we know, Jesus may be at this meal. It may be a multi-day kind of thing, um, that he, because he doesn't change settings until chapter 17. But at, at the very least, go home, read all of 14, and you'll get even more of a rich perspective on, this, on, on what we hear today. But what is Jesus, what is he reversing? What is he seeking to kind of overturn or, or turn upside down? What's he talking about in the, in the examples that he uses? Well, I want you to think of a, of a wedding, right? And let's say that you go to this wedding because you kind of know the couple. You're invited, but you're probably way down on the guest list. You all barely made the cut. You're not family. You're not good friend. But you're, some of you have been there before. Yes, right. Uh, and, uh, or maybe you're the pastor and you, they have to have you there, right? <laughs> I've been there a couple times. But you're, you, you, you go to the wedding and you, you go to the reception and you decide, well, since I'm barely making the cut on the guest list, why don't I just sit next to the bride or the groom at the, at the head table? That'd be fine, right? <laughs> now, hopefully, rather than just giving you the evil eye, someone would gently come over to you and say, you know, I think you might be more comfortable over here, Right? And some formal weddings will even have, you know, name tags or not necessarily formal, but they'll have name tags to kind of sit people in particular areas. Well, most of the meals that were given in Jesus' day, there weren't very many that were sort of, hey, let's just get together and hang out on the back porch kind of thing. Um, but they, they had uh, an agenda with them. There were patrons to be, uh, to, uh, to be thanked through, through these meals and, and the return and the quid pro quo and the expectation. There, there may have been some kind of towards that head table up in the positions of honor that would be uh, ones to whom you're kind of repaying sort of a debt. Uh, and then there would be others maybe a little farther away from the head table that would be those that are seeking the approval of the person who's hosting. A lot of politics were involved in these uh, particular meals. Now, there might be a little bit of gray area in the seating, and it seems that in this particular banquet, there are folks who are trying to climb their way up to this, kind of to the top of this, of this ladder, or whatever ladder they're on. And so Jesus chastises them a little bit with this kind of mini parable about not choosing the, the best places of honor in case so, the host were to say, you know, this person's more important than you. You're going to need to switch spots. And that would not be out of the question. In fact, that would be the norm in Jesus' day for someone to do that. So there's probably a little bit of nervous laughter, but certainly some understanding when Jesus tells this kind of mini parable. But meals like this were also, as I say, very political. And so paying people back for their invitations that they'd given or expecting payback from those invited. And that was just the way it worked. So when Jesus kind of adds on to that, that when you give a banquet, you should invite those who cannot possibly repay you. In fact, people who in those days were even seen as having maybe some curse for God or some punishment for their own sin or for their parents' sin because of they might be lame or they might be blind or they might be something else. 
that you were to invite them, well, that's unheard of, unthinkable. Nobody would do that. Nobody would take Jesus seriously. But let me tell you, Jesus is being as serious as he can be in the telling of this, of this, or this, this kind of call to discipleship, if you will. This is what the kingdom looks like, he says. This is what it looks like now. Do it now. Invite them now. But also, and it seems for emphasis, even it carries over into the resurrection. Jesus says, they can't repay you, but you will be repaid in the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus is really serious about this. This is how we are called to live. This is the life of the kingdom. But is that all? Is it just about kind of giving some stuff to some poor folks? Is this another great moral teaching of Jesus here today to welcome and pay attention to those that we might have the privilege of ignoring? I think it might be a little deeper than that. I remember spending a January term in, um, in Arizona, in Tempe, Arizona, and it was at a uh, First Nation school. It was, uh, the origin of it was uh, uh, Presbyterians had set up a quote-unquote Indian school uh, in, in Tempe years and years and years before. But now it was open to anyone around the world who was, who was native to their particular land. Um, and being at that school, one of the local stories really caught my attention. It was, it was from um, a, a Hopi woman who uh, was part of a tribe that had, some of them had, had kind of returned to some of their ancient ways, and so they were nomadic, they were living in the desert, they were herding sheep, they were trying to get back to some of their native culture and some of their native ways. And um, some women from, from far away, uh, very wealthy, I don't know, it was California or Minnesota, where it, it doesn't matter where it was, but they were very well off, and they had heard about these Hopi women returning to their ways, and they kind of felt sorry for them a little bit and thought, well, I bet they don't have nice things, like, like we have nice things. And I bet it would be nice for them to have nice things. So they had this, this ball and they got you know, these, these, I don't know how many thousand dollar dresses and shoes and the whole thing. And they dressed up and they had this wonderful banquet wherever they were located. And, and then they took all those dresses and the, and the high heeled shoes and all that and they packaged them up and they sent them off to these Hopi women with their hearts in the right place thinking, I bet they would love to have these nice things. Something special. Well, you can imagine how high heels went over in the desert with nomadic people, right? They're not comfortable to walk. I have worn high-heeled shoes, right? They were, they were not designed by women, were they? I don't think so. Some, some guy who never planned to wear them, I think. But, but they didn't go over very well, and the women were very gracious, and they received them, and, and then they, drove, they took time out of their schedule to drive them four hours to Yuma or Phoenix or something like that and donate them, donate them to Goodwill. So the gift was, was kind of a burden, but I use that story to say, you know, within the framework of Jesus, just teaching a moral lesson. Just, you know, be a better person. Be nice. Think about other people. Help them, you know, get good things. That kind of, none of that is inherently bad, of course, but I think it goes a little deeper than that. The words of Jesus to the Pharisees and to, to us today call us to a deeper end of the faith pool, you might say. When, uh, when I was a kid, um, I grew up in a very large house. It was owned by the church. It was built back when, when pastors were kind of seen on the sort of the level of doctors and lawyers, and they were seen as, as uh, um, I don't know, they were seen with high, very high esteem. And so, not like today, no, but they were... <laughs> 
But the house was built, built. it had, um, my dad's office actually had been the kitchen and my sister lived in a room that was, was the servant's quarters, you know, years and years ago. So it was a big place and my parents decided this, this can't just be for us, right? They didn't own it and it wasn't really that well taken care of, but, but it wasn't going to be just for us because it was a lot of space. And so initially we took in foster children and, and I got, you know, had, we had babies just newborn to almost 18 year olds in our household, all kinds of different people. Uh, and then they extended that and, and decided to shelter women who were abused. Um, and we kids thought that was, this sounds weird, but we thought it was cool because we felt like secret agents because we had, when we answered the phone, we just had to say hello. We couldn't say sans guards because you couldn't give out your name in case someone was trying to track you down. So, but we did the sheltering and we had everything from a 70-year-old woman in our house who was finally getting out of a, of a lifelong, terrible, abusive relationship. We had an, an entire um, family that had, that had recently immigrated, immigrated from Poland to the United States, the grandma, the mom, the kids, staying in our house who had gotten away from this, this dad who was, who was violent in the home. Um, we had all these different rich experiences. And then our household also became kind of the default for the church when they hosted families from uh, uh, who, were, who were immigrating to the United States. And in that time, in the late 70s and 80s, Hmong families, uh, Vietnamese families mostly, coming to that little town in, in Iowa. And so I remember one particular uh, dinner that we had, and, and my mom had done the shopping. It was only $20 to buy food for 15 people. And my mom was nervous. This isn't going to work. But she was shooed out of the kitchen, and this Hmong family came, and the whole family came in and cooked this three-course meal. We were all full, stuffed. And then we get, went into the living room like you're supposed to do. That's what people do. And you're going to chat for a while. Well, all the men disappeared. Couldn't find them. Finally, my oldest sister comes out of, of she was trying to go to her bathroom in her room. And she comes out kind of ashen and she goes, Mom, there are two guys napping under the covers in my bed. <laughs> because that's what you do in their culture. I like their culture, by the way. <laughs> yes. Women were all cleaning up in the kitchen. The guys had helped with the meal, but anyway, they were all in a nap. But that rich experience uh, was part of my life. It was just part of how we grew up. And, and I have to tell you um, that I didn't, uh, while I can look back on that and appreciate it, that you know, the difference in cult, culture and, and color and language and nationality and economics and age, all of that, but I can tell you I didn't always like it. I resented it sometimes. I, I was bored by it, especially those long meals sometimes. And I, I just, sometimes I wanted to do other stuff or I didn't pay attention. But I can't explain to you fully what a gift that growing up experience was for me. I can't begin to explain to you how it shaped me. I probably don't even know uh, the various ways that it did. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of amazed still Sometimes in the things we might do as a congregation and the contacts we have with, with other people in our community or whatever it might be, and especially on our summer servant trips, our youth trips that we take every year, I'm just amazed how that connection to, to, to the other, those connections are absolutely, absolutely life-giving and life-changing for people on both sides. It isn't just about, oh, I have extra here, I'll give that and, and good for them and I feel better about myself kind of thing. But it's a rich connection and, and mutual understanding and appreciation. It isn't just about our moral obligation to help the poor. It's about our life together. Our seeing the beauty that is, that is the richness and diversity of God's kingdom.
But you know, in, in those connections, we see something about God too. I was really moved by the uh, feeding program this summer at uh, Cottage Bay that our congregation kind of sponsored. It was, a go- it was just a government lunch program uh, at an apartment building, right? And some of you are volunteered with it. I see some nodding, <clears throat> excuse me, nodding heads. But my wife got called in to the office of the folks who, who run that place, and they're wonderful folks, and they said, we have to tell you what this meal program has done. Now, it's just a meal program. We're just helping poor kids get lunch, right? That's all it is. They said there's been a reduction in racial tension in our apartment building, uh, our apartments. There's been a uh, a reduction in kids fighting with each other. Uh, We see the kids outside more playing with each other and interacting with each other. You you see, God has set this world up for these kingdom, they're, they're everywhere. They're all around us. These banquets, these connections, they're all over the place. You just have to kind of show up and open the window, Right? It was a very simple thing. Peanut butter and jelly, ham and cheese sandwiches, and a few accoutrements with it. That's all it was. But you see what God does with that when we connect and when we sit down and, and especially when we banquet and when we meal and, and with each other. Read the scriptures and, find, and, and, and see how many times something significant happens around the table. One of the most significant pieces, the highlight of our service happens around a table when Jesus banquets, when he invites anyone to come in. And it continues to invite us to come and to remember, to remember who we are, to remember how we are connected to Christ and how we are connected to one another. See, I don't think Jesus told the Pharisees to do that in order to be better people. I think he told them that because it was a gift to them to have those experiences. Because they were limited if they only hung around with people exactly like them. There is a gift, you see, when we set down our fears. When we put away our assumptions, when our stereotypes are put to death, as we heard in our first reading today, our pride is put to death by God. And even when our comfort is upset a bit or an awful lot, when we get that, when we understand the need for that, not only for others, but for ourselves, when we get the richness of those kingdom connections, we may have this kind of aha moment ourselves about who God is for us because because we are poor in comparison with the richness of God. We are sinful and we are broken and God is perfect in every way. We are creatures of the creator and the creator need not pay attention to us at all, right? Just wind that clock up like some people think. God just wind the clock up in creation and let the whole experiment run. But that's not who God is for us. God delights in us. It's everywhere in the scriptures from from the moment of creation until that culmination of Jesus Christ and beyond. God delights in us. God seems to find joy in being with us. I've always heard about God's love for us, and we should hear about that, gosh, every day. Our kids should know every day that that, that God loves them and cares for them. But it wasn't until the last few years that I started to really think about how God likes us. You ever think about that? Not like Facebook-like, but like Real like, 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 child of the 80s, sorry. Uh, we're not, but we're not, we're not an experiment, okay? We're not, we're not a charity case for God. We are beloved. 
And that's what we're called into. That's the invitation Jesus gives us today. Connecting with God, the God we know in Jesus Christ and connecting deeply with our neighbor is like, is like singing your particular harmony in a, in a choir that's filled with beautiful song. Everybody singing a different, a different piece and it all blends together in, in the beauty uh, like we sung in our, in our first song this day. So, so where are those places for you? Where are those, those kingdom openings that God's ready to, to work on with just you connecting? Where are those, where can you sing your song? Hmm? Where, can, where can you banquet with other people and connect more deeply to Christ and, and connect more deeply to one another? Because this, this is the reality that God has given us. It's, and it's the privilege to live and to work in this kingdom. Amen.
respond to the word and confess our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us now pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus, for all people according to their needs. Gracious God, protect us from the pride that comes from going our own way and that leads to anger and isolation. Give us your spirit that the gospel put our old turned inward self to death as we see how much you gave to forgive us and heal us. And so turn us outward. Let us find places to banquet with our neighbor and share in your delight and love. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we pray for peace in our world and for cooperation among the world's leaders to address the threats facing all humanity. Help us to come together. In particular, we pray today for the Amazon and that you would help leaders deal with the fires and the destruction of the forest. Lord, in your mercy. Give direction, wisdom, and humility to all our leaders, our president, Congress, state, and local officials. Give them and our nation courage to confront the continual causes of violence in our land. Be with those who have lost loved ones to violence in cities, in every part of our land. And in particular today, we pray for those in Midland and Odessa, Texas, who have lost loved ones, and the police officers injured, and all those injured and traumatized in this event. Lord, in your mercy. Pour out your Holy Spirit and empower us to be your instruments in connecting more people to Christ. And extend your love to Kitsap and the world. Lord, in your mercy. We pray your blessing today on teachers, administrators, and students as they prepare for a new school year and upon all those traveling this weekend. Lord, in your mercy. Be with Pastor Paula as she returns from her sabbatical and be with us as we rally ourselves together next week with our God's work, our, our hands event. And indeed, give us your spirit as we begin a new program year. Lord, in your mercy. As we come to your table and your banquet, we give thanks that you've made a place for us. And we pray that we could ever seek to make a place for others. And we pray all of this trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Please share that peace with those around you.
As you finish sharing the piece, I'm going to move us into some very short community time today. If you're a guest of ours, please, um, as the friendship pads are passed down the aisle now, and encourage everybody to do that, please um, feel free to give us an email, your name, an address. We want to send you a thank you for worshiping with us and make ourselves available to you. We're so glad you're here. So just in case you're an 8 o'clock a.m. worshiper in this service this week, that next Sunday we move to 8.30 for the early service. So the 8 o'clock is moving to 8.30. Very short time um, then transition for parents and kids into Sunday school that starts at 9.40. However, next Sunday we have a very special Sunday school event. And that is our God's Work, Our Hands um, event where we've got servant projects and crafts and all kinds of things in our gathering place. And that'll happen from 9.40 to 10.40, 10.45 next week. Um, so we'll have our fellowship time here and um, coffee and whatnot and then head right on down um, for that important event. But Or come early next week for that if you're a late service attendee. That's going to be a great event. Gets our season off for a great start. Um, so, we're going to be shortening the verbal announcements, what I'm doing right now, in weeks to come. So I just want to remind you that if you don't read that colored beacon, you might miss something very important. And um, one of the things I'm looking for in my adult class, because the adult class that I teach in between services will be down now in the gathering place this year instead of the fellowship hall. and. Um, Depends on who signed up from early service, but I'm looking for some folks from the late service if you want to come early and help set up down at the gathering place for my class. We can't do that during the week because other events on Friday and Saturday in the gathering place. So if you can do that, mark in your ministry card that, um, I think it's yellow today, um, yellow ministry card is a great chance for you to um, uh, respond to God's word um, today and always. So prayer requests, etc. So that's there. All right. Bill, can I just add to that this service moves to 11 next week. That's the normal move yes, we make. Yes, that's right. Thank you. I want to make sure we do Thank that you. too. Yes, because this service is changing too. Yes. That's probably the more important announcement for this one. So thank you, PJ. Thanks for having my back on that one. Yes. So next week, this service moves to 11 o'clock, which is the typical time. So we leave our summer schedule and start with 8.30 um, and 11 a.m. for our worship services. Sunday school in between for all ages. All right. With that, any um, guests that we can welcome that would are open to being welcome, please. Oh. Yes, your twin yeah. sister, Sarah. I guess. We know that. Sarah and Matt. Kids, welcome. Great to have you here. Great to have you here. Others? Any others? Okay. All right. With that, we move now to our offering and the table.
Let us pray. God of mercy and grace, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us, ourselves, our time, and our possessions, signs of your gracious love. Receive them for the sake of him who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of eternal life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth, and their hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, full of your glory, Hosanna, Hosanna. in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And we pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to us in the breaking of this bread as you once revealed yourself to your disciples. The gifts of God are ready for the people of God. And there are words of hospitality to the supper. I'm back on page 9 in your bulletin if you're a guest of ours today. The gifts of God, indeed, for the people of God.
Let us pray as we send this meal out with Evie. Gracious and loving God, we pray and thanks for this meal, and we pray that as Evie takes this meal out to Evelyn Flagel and Arlene Phillips, that you will bless them as they receive it, that they'll know that they are a part of us, and most especially in your body, in the church. And so may they know your love and grace this day through this meal. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. May this, the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, truly strengthen you and keep you in God's grace. Before I send you out with the benediction, a couple things I forgot to mention in that announcement time. Um, most of the quilters know this, but there is no quilters tomorrow, even though I think it are still, it's still listed in the bulletin. So no quilters tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I think that was it. Oh, and of course, don't forget our sacred grounds right after worship today in our fellowship hall for some more fellowship. So go forth and be sent forth and with God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
are grace-filled. Go in peace to serve the Lord. Hallelujah.